0: Hello and welcome to Battle Ready with Missy Armstrong. We are going to prepare ourselves for battle by learning about the characters in the Bible, learning about their victories and their defeats. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy the podcast. Today on Battle Ready, we're going to cover Noah up to the flood, then next week we will continue on with the flood, and uh, after the flood, the promise, and various things that happen after that. But today we're going to start in Genesis 5, and we will be reading at the beginning, Genesis 5, 28-32. through And 6, <clears throat> excuse me, and Genesis 6, 5 through 8. So, starting with Genesis five twenty eight, When Lamech had lived 182 years, he had a son. He named the son Noah and said, He will comfort, comfort us in the labor and painful toil of our hands caused by the ground the Lord has cursed. After Noah was born, Lamech lived for 595 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Lamech lived a total of 777 years, and then he died. After Noah was 500 years old, he became the father of Sham, Ham, and Japheth. Now Genesis 6, 5 through 8. The Lord saw the great wickedness of the human race and had, excuse me, let me begin again. The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart were only evil all the time. The Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth and his heart was deeply troubled. So the Lord said, I will wipe from the face of the earth the human race that I have created and with them the animals, the birds, and the creatures that move along the ground, for I regret that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the Lord in the eyes of the Lord. This little last bit is what changed everything. But Noah found favor. In the eyes of the Lord, not much is known about Noah's early life except for that he was a son of Lamech, and as a son of Lamech, he was in the line of Seth and the tenth man from Adam. And we remember Seth was the son of Adam and Eve that was born after Cain and Abel. But Bible history at this time, or the history of the world at this time, the men had been taken in, and women, the human race, had been taken in with great sin and wickedness over all the earth. And what's interesting here is that the source of the sin in these verses says that... It's not so much in the deeds, but in the desires of the man's heart. The desires of the human race had turned to wickedness, had turned to evil. But how? When the entire world has gone to wickedness, did one man live a godly life in the midst of all of everything that was going around around him? And we find out in the next verses how that he did this. And it's a beautiful thing and a way that can help us as well. But Noah, Noah had a relationship with God. Noah tried to be a righteous man. Noah worshipped God and tried to do what was right, even in the midst of everything else that was going on. And because of this, God gave Noah a extremely monumental job that would literally change the face of the earth. And because God saw favor, God gave him Favor. In the in Luke in the New Testament, Luke seventeen twenty six says, "As it was in the days of Noah, so also will it be in the days of the Son of Man." This is comforting to me. Because the world was full of wickedness, the hearts of men had turned to evil thoughts and deeds. But God still found favor with Noah. And as we draw nearer to the second coming of Christ, we can still do the same thing. We can find grace. We can find favor with Noah, just like Noah did in his day now. And that's very comforting to me. When you have evidence that someone in the midst of all of the evil in the world, it only took one man that found favor with God. And all of the wickedness in the world today, it just needs one man, one woman, willing to be faithful and find favor with God to completely change everything. And that is an amazing thought to me. Let's continue in Genesis six nine through twenty one or twenty two. The Bible reads: This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God. Noah had three sons: Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. And God saw how corrupt the earth had become. For all the people on the earth were, had corrupt their, uh, had corrupted their ways. So God said to Noah, I'm going to put an end to all the people in the earth that, that has filled, vi- filled with violence because of them. I am surely going to destroy both them and the earth. So make yourself an ark, an arc of cypress wood, make rooms in it, and coat it with pitch inside and out. This is how you were to build it. The arc is to be three hundred cubits long, five hundred cubits wide, thirty cubits high. Make a roof on it, leaving below the roof an opening one cubic high all the way around. Put a door in the side of the arc and make it make lower, middle and upper decks. I'm going to bring flood waters onto the earth and destroy all life under heavens. every creature that has breath of life in it. Everything on earth will perish. but I will establish my covenant with you and you you will enter the ark. you, your sons, your wife, and your son's wives. With you, you are to bring into the ark two of every living creature, male and female, keep them alive with you. Two of every kind of bird, two of every kind of animal, and of every kind of creature that moves along the ground will come with you to be kept alive. You are to take every kind of food that is to be eaten and store it away as food for you. And for them. This is what I was talking about earlier. When I said we would see. Why. God chose Noah. Why Noah found favor with God. Noah had a personal relationship with God. And it's it's described in these verses at the beginning. In such a simple way. In a way that changed everything. Okay. It says. In the beginning. That Noah was a righteous man. Blameless among people of his time. And he walked faithfully. With God. Five words. That changed everything. He walked. Faithfully. With God. Moses encouraged the people. Of Israel to walk after God Abraham was asked to walk before God but only Noah and Enoch were described and said that they walked with God to walk after God implies a willingness to follow him in all your ways to walk before God suggests a consciousness of his abiding presence. And to walk with God is to be constantly at his side in the closest possible relationship with him. It is only the only other time that this phrase occurs in the Old Testament besides Malachi and, or besides Enoch and Noah, is Malachi 2 6, when it uh, is applied to the priest who stood in a closer relationship to God than the rest of the people. Now, how would you describe your walk with God? Do you walk before God? Like, anticipating Him or being aware of His presence behind you? Or do you walk after Him? Like, your willingness to follow him in all your ways or do you walk with him and have that extremely close relationship where the conversation between the two between you and God (coughs) is the most simple and easiest when you're walking next to someone it's hard to ask these questions to yourself and realize that maybe I'm not walking with God. And then trying to evaluate your life and, and praying to God and saying, show me what is necessary to bring my life alongside yours. Right? To bring my life alongside you so that I am walking with you. So we are in sync. My desires are your desires. It can be done. It is hard. And it. You do have to sacrifice things. But it is completely worth it. Because that is. The spot. Where. That you get the most. Out of your Christian life. When you walk alongside God. This reminds me of a verse in Proverbs. Uh, verse, it's Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. It doesn't say your path will be easy. It doesn't say that your path is not going to have some some bumpy spots or some pokey vines or maybe even some big dogs or something. It doesn't say that there's not going to be hardships, but it says your path will be straight. It's a lot easier to walk a straight path with your eyes on something in the distance that you may not be able to focus on, but you know it's there than it is to be able to walk up A winding path that has many curves and turns and you don't know what's on the other side. You don't know what's past that curve. And so this is what gives me, it gives me a little comfort. It gives me a little bit of peace that my path may not be perfect, but he will make my path straight. Let's continue on. Genesis 7, 1 through 16 says, The Lord said, then said to Noah, Go into the ark, you and your whole family, because you have I have found you righteous in this generation. Take seven pairs of every kind of clean animal, a male and its mate, one of every kind of unclean animal, a male and a female. Also, Seven pairs of every kind of bird, male and female, to keep the various kinds alive throughout the earth. Seven days from now, I will send rain on the earth for 40 days and 40 nights. And I will wipe from the face of the earth every living creature I had made. Now, Noah did all the Lord commanded. Noah was 600 years old when the flood waters came on the earth. Noah and his sons and his sons' wives entered the ark. And Noah's wife, sorry, I missed that part. Start back at that. <laughs> Let me. That. And Noah and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives entered the ark to escape the waters of the flood. Pairs of clean and unclean animals, of birds, and of all the creatures that move along the ground, male and female. Came to Noah and entered the ark, as God had commanded. After and after seven days the flood waters came on the earth. In the six hundredth year of Noah's life, on the seventeenth day of the second month, on the day on that day all the springs of the great deep burst forth, and the floodgates of heaven were opened, and rain fell on the earth for 40 days and 40 nights. On that very day, Noah and his sons, Ham, and Japheth, all together with with his wife and the wives of the three sons, entered the ark. They had every kind of wild animal according to its kind, every kind of wild livestock according to their kind, every creature that moves along the ground according to its kind, and every bird according to its kind. Everything with wings. Pairs of all of the creatures that have the breath of life in them came to Noah and entered the ark. The animals going in were male and female, every living thing. As God commanded Noah, the Lord shut him in. And Hebrews 11, 6 and 7. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. By faith Noah, when warned about things not yet seen in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By faith he, con- he condemned the world and became the heir of righteousness That is, keeping with the faith. Although Noah was surrounded by a world that was engaged in lawlessness and wickedness and impurity, he believed that God was in charge. He believed that God had control of his life, of his story. And he believed when God told him that a great flood was about to engulf the earth, even though he had never before seen rain. And uh, this is seen in Genesis 2.5. He believed when God told him to build a gigantic boat hundreds of miles from the nearest ocean, he believed. He kept on believing, even though the flood didn't actually occur for over 100 years. There are many definitions of faith. Um, But basically, uh, at its basic and purest form, faith is acting on what God says without doubt. And believing God's word with complete trust. Many of the things that God said to Noah probably caused him a bit of surprise but and it might have he might have you know maybe had a second a second like really but he did it he had faith that God said what he meant and I mean You've got a, a hundred years, over a hundred years, from the time God said I'm gonna make it rain to when it rained. Okay. I like to talk about God's timing because it's one thing that I struggle with, <laughs> so I I try to study it. I try to I try to make myself better uh, about it, but. If you think about what Noah went through during those 100 years, just the doubt and the the jeering and the sarcasticness and things of people that saw him building this boat out in the middle of nowhere, nowhere close to an ocean and telling people, "You know what? It's going to rain. You need to repent." And they're like, "Rain? What's rain?" Right, imagine that. I but he continued with that kind of faith with that kind of drive and determination. Recently, I went through a time when God had put me in a waiting place where He needed me to learn a few things before. It was time for him to do what he wanted to do in my life. And in that waiting place, I got frustrated. I'm not going to lie. I got down. I needed to learn things about myself and about my relationship with God before I could move forward. And in the waiting place, I learned a lot. I learned that while you're stuck in a waiting place, you should never just sit. If God puts you in a spot, there's a reason for you to be there. You're either there to do something, to learn something, or to teach something. And so, in my waiting place, in my time of waiting on the Lord in His time, I grew as a Christian. I was able to see things and learn things that I needed to move forward. And then just that waiting for a year or so, I did struggle. And then there's Noah, who consistently worked every day, who built that boat for a hundred years. And he had faith. He God found favor with him. And he was righteous. He didn't lose that faith throughout the hundred years. He just kept pushing on. And chances are God is not going to make us wait for a 100 years to do something in our lives today but he may make us wait till it's his time till it's right in his eyes my son's a preacher and uh, he always says it's about perception when you look at things you can only see what is in your point of view if you're standing, you can see, you know, around you to a certain point, but if you're on top of a building looking down or in an airplane looking down, you have a completely different point of view and you see so much more. God sees from the top. God sees so much more than what we see and we can't see sometimes what, what he has in store for us. All we can do is wait on his timing because God's timing is perfect. So, faith is acting on what God says. Okay? I, I talk to our people, and they say, I don't know. What God says. I don't hear God's voice. I don't know what to do. Then probably. You're not lined up with God. Or you're not listening. In the conversation. You have to stop talking. To hear the other person speak. So many times we pray. To God. We finish, we say amen, we get up and we go about our day, or we go to bed and go to sleep, whatever it might be. How often do you sit in silence or just sit with some music playing, Christian music or something in the background and ponder the scriptures? And just listen for God. So many times, almost probably I would say 90% of the time, when I'm struggling or I'm wanting to hear God's voice, if I'm just prayed about it, studied the Bible, still concerned, still not quite sure what to do or not quite sure how to go about something. If I sit, sometimes singing, sometimes just thinking about what I read, God will say stuff to me, or I will have ideas or thoughts in my head that come from nowhere. And then I will do these things, and everything just pans out because God's speaking to me. It may not be audible, it may be a feeling, it may be a thought. But it is God's way of speaking, and it's different to different people, right? So it's sometimes to hear God, you have to surrender yourself completely to him. Stop everything and just listen. And I know it's hard, and it's hard for me because I'm so ADD that I just want to go to the next thing. But sometimes you just have to stop and sit in silence and think about the scriptures. Think about God. Talk to God on and off, but allow that silence to exist. I don't know if it works for everybody, but it seems to work for me. So, if the faith is acting on what God says, how much of a man or woman of faith are you? I always feel unworthy. I always feel like I do not measure up. I try. but I do not succeed a lot of times. Uh, There are things in the Bible that can help us strengthen our faith, that can help us listen, that can help us determine this is what God wants for us. This is what God wants for me. This helped with me when trying to do this. List the things in which that you haven't obeyed. When God told you to do something and you didn't do it. Things that you regret not doing. Then focus on one thing that you have not done. And do it then move on quietly to the others and deal with them one thing at a time. Okay? Hebrews 11.1 says, Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. That's where our faith begins. That's where we have to have the hope And we have to have the certainty of what we don't see. The hope of what God gives us, but knowing that He is there. I want to encourage you throughout the next week to really think about your relationship with God. Think if you're walking with God or... Beside Him, if you're walking beside Him, or if you're walking behind Him, or if you're in front of Him. Think about your faith. Is God telling you to do something and you're uncertain about it? Or you are feeling unworthy? Let me tell you something that I firmly believe. God tells people to do things. God calls people to ministries. God sets certain things on people's heart. When he does that, he has already factored in your foolishness, your craziness, your weaknesses. He has already thought about all of these things. You don't need to. He will give you what you need to complete the task. He will help you find people to support you while you complete the task. He will put people in your life and around you that can either help you move you forward or support you where you are. So whatever God has called you to do, whatever God is saying in your heart, let's step out, let's do this. Do it. He already knows what your weaknesses are. He already knows how crazy you act. He already knows your anger issues or whatever problems that you have going on. He knows this. And he doesn't care. Because he's already factored it in. So please, concentrate on that this week. Think on that. Look at some of the verses that we went over or delve into some other verses and really find where is my faith and where am I walking. So thank you so much for listening today. Please come back next week and we will be talking about the flood and then what happened after the flood and then... We will also talk about various lessons that we learned from Noah. So, thank you so much again for listening. I hope you enjoy your week. And just remember, God already knows. He's already factored it in. I fought God for a long time because I thought I was too weak. I was too stupid. I was too this. I was too that. God knows. He built you. He made you. If he put something on your heart, he has given you the skills to deal with it. So just step out and do it. All right? Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoy your week and keep the faith. Thank you.